0: Hi, my name's Nick Thompson and I run HolisticVet.co.uk We're based near Bath
1: in England I'm Dr Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire
2: And my name's Dr Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from DogsBurst.ie And together we are you are Pet Medics.
1: Good
2: evening
0: everyone. Here we are again. I can't believe it. It seems like a week
2: since the last time. We it. <laughs> oh, oh god. Boom. Oh god. Uh, you can tell he's a father. Did you did you turn yes. off your phones, chaps? Uh now I've turned it, it on so that it's recorded. Oh, very good. I have mine off. I'm just going to take the risk that I'm, I'm being recorded perfectly fine. Um, how's things, lads? Did you have a very exciting week? Good. Yeah. Oh, lots of bits and
0: pieces this end. Um, how about you? It's, if if people ask that question, you can absolutely get I have them my answer ready. Been yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're chomping at the bit. Yeah. Uh, However, to try and get, I'm going really to upset him. Out. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm gonna really upset. Yeah, so I'm going to really upset because I'm going to give him the lowdown for my last week of traveling around whilst being off work. Uh, just <laughs> oh, <give me> <laughs> so <laughs> I started on Monday. with they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so go on, come on, Connor. I yeah, come oh, on, gosh. you've got something really. <laughs>
2: I don't have anything that interesting to say, but it's kind of, it's pertinent to what we're talking about tonight. So I just wanted to... Uh, it's never, it's never stopped. <laughs> oh, oh, this Gone is on. a horrific start tonight. I oh. see you guys have been oh, angling. Oh, oh, There's something wrong. Um, I, uh, I was on that, I was on with uh, Becker and Abib there on Sunday and we were talking about fish oil supplements. So I just thought how relative to tonight when, you know, that's one of the first things we reach for when your dog is suffering from uh, joint pain and fish oil supplements would be the very first groovy thing that we would reach for, because we know it absolutely mm-hmm. helps with arthritis. Mm-hmm. It helps with inflammation, like a fire mm-hmm. signature for the body, isn't it? Yeah. And so many cereal fed dogs, particularly, but also raw yeah. fed dogs, if your meat is coming from indoors and that sort of stuff, you know, going to be low in omega-3, higher in omega-6 if you're fed grain and all this crap. So there's lots of reasons why you would use fish oil in this condition and not to ruin what we might be talking about later on. But it was so interesting because they had on a fish oil expert. And I thought, how could you be a fish oil expert? This guy had a fish oil company since the time he was a kid. And uh, immensely successful. <laughs> but the guy is a is a, a lipidologist. Would that be the right word? Yeah. yeah. And uh, and oh, my God. Uh, it, was, it was so interesting. So they picked out the 12 top fish oil brands in the US. They said, right, they quizzed everybody. Millions of followers. What are your top 12 favorites? And we went through them one by one. And so I went through them from my With my hat on as a as a pet owner type thing, this is what I would you know I'm looking at omega three bang per book and I'm more you know but this guy gets into is it ethyl ester or is it triglyceride different productions so ethyl ester is your refined oils how do they make them concentrated they refine the shit out of them and I was like oh what does that mean so well this is the process this is the result the bioavailability is much less it's cheaper to produce it's easier to everything the storage is much worse easier to oxidize and I said this is terrible. And then he goes, plastic bottles they let oxygen in. And I'm like, What? And he goes, Yeah, glass isn't porous, but plastic is. And he goes, particularly if your plas- if your plastic has a squidgy top on the top of a dropper. Because that's v- ever like we all know that from when you did science in college. You'd always thought those rotten dropper bottles. If you were last to the shelf to get your dropper, some of them were rotten because oil hates plastic. And uh I had little tiny tips like that. And I just thought, wow, I didn't know any of this. And so uh, it was fascinating uh, to, to learn about that. And then I stumbled into a green lip bit, which we're going to talk about later. So that's what I was up to during the week. Three hours of talking about fish oil supplements. Who'd have thought? Uh, it, it, yeah, wow. So, but it was really interesting. Would you come
0: on with us? I'm sure can we can on get on with him, us, Absolutely. You yeah. Shall we? Drag, can you yeah, on a, a lipidologist. A yeah, <laughs> lipidologist, yeah.
2: The, <laughs> the it was just so interesting because he was just like straight down the middle. This is the story with this. and But also, like, you know, even Habib was saying, you know, uh, they got the, the product the plastic the chemicals in the packaging of the pet food is, is leaking into the pet food so which is a problem and that's fat's mm-hmm. fault because fat mm-hmm. likes to leach that plastic off and so you know that's a big big problem okay that's one one thing but then he was saying that the study showing that the plastic bag of pet food is leaking contaminants into the household and that the pets and children living in the household with kibble Bags of are higher in these nasty contaminants because the bag is leaking the stuff out, Ooh. and I just thought this is glorious. Why have I never heard this before? He, he said EPA and <laughs> phthalates
1: everywhere. Oh, I didn't know, and <laughs> I thought this is a gem. Yeah.
2: So, um, but he was explaining why fat does that, and then I'm like, oh, this is and just just fiercely interesting. But you would have loved the the danger of the refinement of us, and fat just hates being outside the body. Let's face it, you know. So. Before we go any further, check, check, check at the bottom there, guys. Patreon.com forward slash Raw Pet Medics. We deeply appreciate any support you can give us, guys. We are not a paid show, but if you can't afford the price of a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, we absolutely appreciate it. This size helps us do our thing. And also, you'll hear our podcast. uh, Anywhere you can vote for our podcast, we really appreciate it. Give it the five stars, that kind of jazz. Uh, it really helps us move up those lists and we are, but until we get to number one we're not going to talk about those positions anymore <laughs> but um, yeah I, we are uh, moving up though, I'm uh, uh, keeping track How are well, so, we doing so we... to, in Tobago?
0: Are we still number one
2: in Tobago? Yeah, Trinidad-Tobago we were number two I think in the, in oh. the pet section oh. so we just need a couple more votes guys we so, need to be yeah. more Dr one. Judy was yes. number one <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, never, never <laughs> going to get there
2: <laughs> yeah oh, so, so who wants to start us off guys on a bit of hip dysplasia and uh, Brent, do you want to give us a little bit of physiology of, of of of
0: bone and cartilage and maybe how they grow and and um spaying and and what have you? What happens if you spay dogs early? Does that affect
1: the hips? yeah, okay, so um, I would say uh, understanding bone is not dead, okay this is a living part you know it's fully you know it's protein, it's mineralized protein but it's only mineralized because in it, there are cells which are alive, actively interacting with that bone, which allows that bone to fix. You know, if you break a bone, you want to be able to fix it. Okay. Now for the joint itself, we need a little bit of cushioning and those very similar cells, the chondrocytes actually line that area of subchondral bone uh, and they produce, they utilize um, the nutrients to produce a nice firm cartilage. Now dependent on Um, some other genetics that may be a weaker cartilage. And there are some genetic testings uh, that you can do for your dogs to see if they're predisposed to osteochondrosis dissecans, which is a uh, delaminating of that cartilage within the joint. Um, There is also a um, test that you can do to x-ray your dog and to get all of those angles measured. So in the UK, that's done by the British Veterinary Association. Uh, Certain x-rays need to be taken particular angles uh, in order for us to send those x-rays off and get them scored and so certainly if you're breeding you might consider that although there was a bit of debate as to whether that was working for Labradors because they used to have a lovely Mm. scoring system of trying to say look the average breed is 32 if you can breed below 16 then surely we're going to slowly improve the Labrador population Um, and I think 15 years into that uh, little experiment of trying to do that uh, what did they find? But Labrador hips were just getting worse. Now, a couple of things around that, okay, that weren't examined uh, were things like um, nutrition, you know, what we're doing yeah, with yep. nutrition, you know, the change of nutrition, um, increasing kibble foods uh, that were going on, uh, some of the differences uh, as well in um, the life stages that they were giving, whether those life stage diets were appropriate for that gro- those growing dogs. Now, obviously, on top of that, we've put another layer, um, which is obviously not for breeding dogs, but we're talking about neutering. And so, those great um, research papers done. I know some people don't like corporates, but one thing about the the corporates in America that actually dared to look at their data um, to find out were they giving the right advice, uh, and came up with those papers around yes, tumours and things like that, with regards to. Um, neutering actually more importantly joint disease one of the reasons we were seeing increased cruciate ruptures but also that reflected on hip dysplasia uh, elbow dysplasia uh, within some of these breeds so neutering definitively will have an effect and as i said these are living parts of the body and those hormones are going to have a growth effect on the system okay so you know, for, for both males and females it uh, does have an effect
0: twice as likely figures that i've seen if you if you neuter really early kind of 9 weeks 12 weeks what have you you can be up to twice as likely to get so that's a 100% increase in incidence of uh, hip dysplasia if you
2: dare to neuter at that that level so yeah be careful. There's, there's lots of studies there to support exactly what you're saying there um, it's the number two um, kind of, when it comes to side effect, counting the mental studies to to kind of go against the idea of neutering dogs, abnormal bone growth and development. The very first one out of the traps is that early neutered animals are taller because when you neuter an animal or spay, you're going to uh, remove uh, estrogen and estrogen tells the bones to stop growing, doesn't it? So that's what closes the growth plate. So you have these taller animals and they're more susceptible to joint issues and they're more susceptible yeah. to uh, increased cruciate rupture. Uh, yep, this guy had a look. Rich. Yeah, there's four huge studies here. Um, uh, but the biggest one was 759 golden retrievers followed for a few years. Um, and so like it, we know that it's it's increasing, increasing rupture and all that. But to get to the uh, hip dysplasia, one here's some nice studies here. Uh, can we get some figures? Um, in their study of 759 retrievers, they noted early neutered males were 10% more likely to get hip dysplasia. That doesn't sound like too bad, actually. Or 10% were diagnosed with hip dysplasia. Um, and a study of 1,800 uh, did a higher incidence of hip dysplasia than non-neutered animals. So yeah, it's, it's definitely happening. Uh, yeah. the, and that the, growth, as, growth as
1: is, Michelle said, is, is around the growth plates. And what we saw, certainly uh, I've seen in male dogs, is if you um, neuter them early, you can actually delay the closure of those growth plates. So they actually end hmm. up continuing to grow um, because they haven't had that instruction to sort of like calcify the the bones and close those growth plates, yeah, at puberty. Well, they're hence, they're, hence they're taller. Mm. Yeah,
2: okay. great. There's a there's a there's another one from a causing point of view. Nick just mentioned about the nutrition. Um, it's it's interesting. Like this has been around since 2014. One of Dog Risk's first uh, studies that they came out with. Uh, I think it was actually a master's. I'm not sure if it was ever published or not. But there was a survey sent out to 254, I believe, German shepherd owners. And they found like just, it was really, really clear that raw, feeding raw food was protective to chronic hip dysplasia for whatever reason. But what's interesting was they included kibble in there as one of the diets to select raw food and cooked food. And do you know what diet came out the worst of those three? Cooked. Cooked cooked did come out the worst and I thought how very interesting and it brings me to a point that when people are feeding cooked food to dogs and they say okay I can't feed bone to dogs for whatever reason and so they go looking for a bone substitute and they read online and they say we'll give a bit of eggshell and I say okay you've replaced the calcium and it's like but you haven't replaced like chondroitin or collagen or the pine, all the cool hyaluronic acid Where are you getting all that stuff if you're not
1: feeding? them? So that membrane on the inside of the egg, Connor, that you were talking mm, about uh, before. Yes,
2: pure (laughs) chondroitin, pure chondroitin. And studies show that stuff is fantastic for your arthritis. But even then, like you're picking out individual things. Uh, So people buy calcium supplements. They feed seaweed because some seaweeds are higher in calcium. But that is just focusing on one single nutrient, whereas a joint is made up of many different building blocks. And you need all those things. So just like me trying to get over my knee as a vegetarian, uh, same knee operation three times in a row. I never fed myself glucosamine, chondroitin, hyaluronic acid, couple of supplements for the first week or two. And then I just assumed I was getting it in my diet. Never thought. So you can't actually replace bone too easily. And I wonder, is that a problem with the people that were feeding cooked diets? These are Scandinavians. So I think they're more likely to feed bone. But if you're on a cooked diet, you're probably not feeding raw bone. And you probably thought that putting calcium into your diet would be enough to replace uh, a vital kind of nutrient for a, dog, a vital food source for for dogs. So it was very interesting that they were. These are very significant p values as well. I mean, this was very definitely uh, raw was very protective for these German shepherd owners, and cooked was the opposite. And I just thought, oh, that was very interesting. from a This is good. This is good. To quote the study, it says this study suggests
0: that feeding a bone and raw food diet, or raw meat, raw offal, raw bone, and raw cartilage, raw fish, raw egg, and raw tripe as supplementation to other diets, or as part of the bath diet, showed protective effects versus uh, canine uh, hip dysplasia. And then, as Connor mentioned, the cook was w- actually was worsening. But it says remarkably. Feeding dry commercial food was common in both case and control groups and did not show any association with canine with,
2: um, hip dysplasia in this no, no significant. How amazing if, is that? How amazing? If, you, if you look at the graph of that, Nick, okay, now this is 254 mm. dogs, so it sounds mm. like a lot, but when you're divided into four different diet groups, you're limiting who's in each group. That's not a huge yeah. amount of studies. And in the yeah. commercial dry food, the, the amount of hip dysplasia was 69 versus 61. So that is, when you look at the charts, you go, oh, that's quite a big difference. So that is getting, they would say, close to significant. That would be something where you go, okay, let's increase the sample size, do another study of that, to increase the sample size to a thousand and tell us if that is significant or not. It looks quite quite a hefty uh, difference to me, but it's not significant. And you do have to go to give them their dues. They did better than the cooked diet. So that is interesting when I wouldn't have thought dry food was put it in. You know, the glucosamine chondroitin that goes in their orthopedic food that you buy for dogs with arthritis, doesn't it? You know, they're not. I wonder, wonder whether
0: Royal Canin or similar
2: would be inclined to do such a study uh, with their food versus raw food. They would with their orthopedic food. That's what would support their prescription brand orthopedic food. They put in the nutrients that are missing from their standard diet. Okay. And they, uh, yeah, and that's how you come up with this orthopedic food clinically proven to be good for dogs with joint disease. That's because glucosamine chondroitin, hyaluronic acid. All those things can help a little bit to take the pain away.
1: Well, it's interesting because some of the companies actually, for those processed diets, it's not actually the chondroitin and things that they look at. The biggest gain was actually back to the beginning of tonight is the oils, the, the omega 3s. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, going mm, yeah. in. So those are the biggest gains. But Beth actually raises something interesting because, um, you know, what, in your opinion, therefore, if you're going to substitute bone raw bone into this diet okay ground or macerated or however you want to put it instead of eggshell do you feel you're you've got enough in there or is there anything else you need to substitute in because really eggshell is calcium carbonate it's not i would not use eggshell the, yeah.
0: the, the absorption i've looked at the absorb the bioavailability of eggshell and you can't find it at anywhere at all in mm. humans it might be down at Thirty percent or so, but I'd have thought dogs would be a bit better because they've got better acid. But I can't find a figure. You guys seen a figure for eggshell? The actual I have never bioavailability.
1: Found it. Also looked for, never never saw that. No. Um, if anything like, I know, it's used as a phosphate binder, which is often why it's um, advocated for cats in you know, renal disease and things like really that, as nice. uh, calcium. Uh, you know, because it's got that phosphate binding um, option. Mm. But realistically, it is something that I've gone away from. Uh, I know Pitcairn used to be a big advocate of grinding down 15 different things within the diets that you then had to add in every single meal. And, Mm. you know, as as anybody who's followed us for any length of time will know, we totally sort of ditched that to a bit more variety and and giving accessibility to minerals and nutrients uh, uh, at different times uh, through the cycle of feeding. So, you know... Beth, I wouldn't be uh, as these guys wouldn't be saying, "Oh, actually, you're deficient because you're not giving eggshell." I think actually, what's in eggshell is probably fairly limited, if anything.
2: Better than nothing, probably. But as uh, as Mindy says, what about bone meal? Bone meal is the kind of the the result of rendering. You know, so your 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 fat and gloops floats to the top of your jellies and soap, soaps. I always say, and, and the bone sinks to the bottom. And you know, pet food companies call that meat meal or dried meat, but gardeners would call it bone meal. So it's, it's bone meal, and that has been processed under high temperature and uh, high pressure. And you'd probably say, look, it's probably, it's probably a source of calcium and glue, but the fat has been removed and all that joints and cartilage stuff. So it's mm-hmm. probably a, quite a poor version of calcium as well, to be honest, in my opinion. There is a substitute. Um, there was a product coming out in New Zealand called MCH calcium, and this is what the sports people are taking, M for mother CH calcium. So MCH calcium is is a is probably the top rated calcium supplement for absorption, and what it is is ground up bones. Now, in my opinion, from it where? Looks very... From From what? From from, from grass fed New Zealand cattle. Hydroised uh, MCH. Uh, well, it looks like white dishwasher powder. But With they, that uh, in
0: mind, guys, I would suggest that I'm, I'm going back to the real basics here. I would be thinking sprats. You know that whitebait yeah. has more more available calcium even than milk, which is a pretty good source of yeah of, of calcium. Whitebait, yeah. So if you go to the restaurant and you, and you want a bit of calcium, whitebait is the way to go. Be careful of the stuff they put on the outside the batter, but that's another
2: yeah. Dish. Don't give them in batter with,
0: with seed oils and what have you. Let's not go there. Deviled, the hateful lake. <laughs> the hateful, yeah. they, the hateful yeah. they. takes me back to Christmas. Airdroid. um, Air-dried sprats, I think, is about as good as you can get, because the bones are so fine, your your stomach, your dog's stomach, is just going to whiz through those so, so easily, and it's going to liberate that calcium so beautifully, as uh, as well as iodine and zinc and all those amazing things that you will inevitably find in marine animals. So for me... Those little dried sprats or sprats of any description really would be the best.
2: Yeah, thing. I think if you're relying on eggshells, something like sprats or sardines would be wonderful. Michelle Fitzsimmons yeah. has just highlighted a really important point. Depending on who's selling the MCH calcium, they will say it's freeze-dried. And I always say, uh-uh-uh, you're not allowed to sell non-heat-treated bone anywhere. So you're not allowed to package it and sell it anywhere because it's a considered a hazardous item. So it's, it's got to be marrow. cooked.
1: It's that bone marrow that they feel could yeah, carry any, cancer disease. Can-
2: Mad cow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, from bones, you know. De- lymphatics. lymphatics. But, but, okay, maybe. But uh, anyway, so they, they will say freeze-dried because at a final step, you can freeze-dry the product as a preservation method and it's a wonderful way of preserving it, which means that the product doesn't need chemicals to ship it from New Zealand to here. So if they freeze-dry down this powder, it's a great idea, fantastic. But the thing is, if you ask any freeze drying company, any freeze drying company anywhere or even cold press, we cook our foods at 40 degrees. Do you? How do you kill the bacteria? And they'll go, oh, well, we use natural preserves. How did you kill the bacteria in your product? And then they'll say, well, we have a, a heating step. But we don't call it cooking. We call it a bacteria kill step. So all cold press foods and freeze dried foods that say they don't cook, it's rubbish. You can't. You have to kill the bacteria. You have to get them to zero first, unless you're using chemicals. And nobody wants to admit to that. So there has to be a heat kill step. So yes, it's freeze dried, but that's a preservation method to get it from A to B, rather than cooking it and then pulling it full of chemicals because it's it's meat essentially. It's meat, It's protein. Meat protein that wants to rot. So as as Brent said, it was alive, and then you kill it by. So there is a bit of cooking, and uh, yeah. So anyway. That's I think the,
0: the, bone broth gets us around a lot of those problems because, mm. yes, it, there, there is a heat kill step, but it only goes to 100 degrees unless, you, yep. unless you're putting it in great 90, yeah,
1: 90 for a Unless you're using a pressure cooker, which is not the oh, thing Unless you're do. using pressure, a cooker, pressure cooker, which you can get it to 120.
0: So, so basically, yes. just, you, you, uh, you will take it up to the boil, that's 100, then you'll bring it down to, to a simmer. Is a simmer 90? I no, a simmer I thought, is
2: 90, and a pressure cooker reduces the temperature. No, no, you know, don't you need less the, the more pressure, the less temperature. No.
0: Mm-mm. Isn't wrong it way it? around, mate. It's wrong boils, way wrong boils, around. Boils. If, you, if, you, if you
1: go up Mount Everest, your tea will be lukewarm. <laughs> yeah.
2: Boils. Because it will 16. boil. Well, that's
1: because it's a long walk. It's cold. Because <laughs> <laughs> really he's using a thermos flask. <laughs> I'm
0: confused. A it's a long, long way up this mountain <laughs> with a cup of
1: tea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I told you you were wrong. I
1: told you you need a better thermos.
0: <laughs> yeah. They said my um, tea would be cold. <laughs> I'd, stick
1: my t- oh, my t- <laughs> I'd stick my tongue out if I had frozen off. Saying, <laughs> like, oh, like, it's just the because point in, snow on the mountaintop. That's what it is.
2: What's the point in, in, in pressure cooking if it doesn't bloody it, reduce the It means the you can take the temperature of water
0: up beyond 100 degrees and therefore you reduce the cooking time.
2: Oh, you I take it to 120 or 130. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Surprise! I thought I thought I saved, it saves it saves people in the 50s. I he was the
0: scientist. money on gas. <laughs> 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 and I, I think a simmer. To, to, I mean, are there any physicists there? I hope there are. I thought a simmer was boiling water, and boiling water is more or less 100 degrees at, at, at standard temperature and pressure. What's, what's really
1: funny oh, is Fiona it's Murray. called Boyle's Law. <laughs> yeah, Fiona, the, well, nuclear, the yeah. nuclear
2: scientist comes out. Boyle's P
0: Law, e guys. Equals is it, uh, uh, Fiona, is it P equals VT? Oh, here we it go. P equals V <laughs> over T?
2: Off, what about yeah, Brady's please. Law? I'm always right. Look, Charlotte Davies <laughs> says you can actually slow cook at high pressure. Uh so there you go. There's a there's a there's an answer. But anyway, look, that was the calcium thing. But there's there's um although it's probably uh I'm sure somebody else has a bit here, but I always wanted to have a quick word about non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Okay, so I think as as step one of things to do, if you know you get this diagnosis and you know your dog is usually a bit older because for the first few years, muscles can take over and keep you kind of steady and whatnot. And then as you get older, it just gets harder and harder and inflammation builds and the dog starts to go lame. Is that true, uh, that, that muscles will take up? So this is, a, this is an older dog issue, I assume, unless like my old dog, Meg, the poor thing at six or seven, she was hobbled with this issue. But it's not the end of the world. So I think kind of step one is like, you know, uh, the simple things, to take the simple boxes of chronic hip dysplasia, lean that dog up this is a long most of these breeds are long distance running animals so have them really really lean Mo Farah versus Hussein Bolt if any of your dogs look like that and you look at Mo Farah and you go where is the bloody weight on that guy how does he move 26 miles uh, so really lean long distance running animals take the weight off the joints which would surely be a number one and all the other simple kind of things I mean there is a million uh, natural bits and pieces that you can put in that. But let's just just skipping past the natural bits and pieces that we might have time to come. We might do them in the in the bit on the side because I've got mm. some cool stuff to say about frankincense, mm. actually. Those, and curcumin. You should see the studies on mm. turmeric. Oh, my God, mm. for arthritis and whatnot. But just to the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories for you guys. We know that non-steroidal anti-inflammatories uh, have a really big problem downwind. So they cause loads of gut issues. Yeah, I think we're all pretty clear on that. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatories uh cause bleeding, inflammation, ulceration of the stomach and small intestine, big, big problems and whatnot. OK, so living on them for a long term is probably not exactly ideal because they're going to upset your gut and your gut flora, fueling inflammation and more And NSAIDs are probably going to be needed and whatnot. But listen to this. This is interesting. Um, uh, although non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, that's like, you know, from paracetamol, aspirin, ibuprofen and Metacam, all those dudes. Um uh, while they induce gastropathy, which is a pathy of the stomach, I guess, and enteropathy of the intestines, has been recognised for some time. Investigators more recently suggested that such effects may originate due solely to dysbiosis. That is, not solely, due, mm-hmm. due to dysbiosis. That is perturbations in the gut microbiome. So that loads of studies. Another one. Non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory enteropathy does not occur in germ-free mice. But when insert two, bacteria names I can't pronounce are introduced, intestinal ulceration occurs. Wow. So, yeah. That's and I was thinking good. bloody hell. And then they finished that study with saying, so when something is introduced to help, let's say, because chondroitin, glucosamine doesn't upset the gut flora, but chondroitin does. So what they were saying was, okay, it shifts the gut flora, but what's the actual impact on the animal? So for example, a dog with degenerative joint disease will have a certain gut flora because he's inflamed and in pain. And when you put in chondroitin, which can mask a bit of the pain and help the dog a bit, the gut flora shifts. That's not necessarily a negative thing. It may not even be that the it's not that the bacteria were affected by the chemical fed. It was the relief of the inflammation that settled the dog and shifted the gut flora. So they don't know if it's the chemical, the non-serotal anti-inflammatory that's affecting the gut flora or the relief of the symptoms and the fixing because the bacteria are so involved in fixing gut membranes and everything else. And I just thought how wonderfully confused it is. Uh, but it doesn't sound good for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory use. So how do you guys treat, if everyone has done everything right, basic stuff we've talked about before, getting the dog well-fed, fish oil, you know, your natural solutions we'll talk about later on, really lean, healthy, you know, therapies and, and hydrotherapy and, and, and all these sort of things you can do. If you have to go c- conventional, and that's where we are with these chemicals where do people have where do you go what's step what's level 2 i've got a I've got a list from
0: uh gene dodds here actually and i'm just wanting it i'm gonna just tease everybody with this and then we can maybe go into a bit on the side and maybe go into one or two of them uh, a bit more so Jean Dodd's in her wonderful book canine Neutrogenomics page one hundred and thirty. She's saying omega three fatty acids with the provisos that Connor so um, eloquently uh, described earlier. But then she also says about other things to look at are uh, actually dear velvet, okay? Which is the dear velvet. Yes, oh, so that's that a one. really interesting one. I've got I've got this book. It is a book in a digital format. when I'm going to put that up on. Um, Patreon okay, so you'll be able to look at that there's there's 500 plus um, references in there for you to have a look at but that's not why I'm giving the list she also talked about green lip muscle extract, glucosamine chondroitin, vitamin A, vitamin C vitamin E, S adenosyl methionine, that's the liver one, she, she highlights spirulina um, she highlights curcumin Connor was just saying about curcumin and the, 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 the figures, it's very anti-inflammatory and very good for uh, joints. Even great seed extract, uh, green or black tea leaf extract, MSM, methyl sulfonylmethane, uh, DL-phenylalanine, and homeopathic remedies such as meal or zeal, Z-E-E-L. Lots and lots of things to think about. Bren, any thoughts on that list before we jump into... Uh,
1: so many. Um, remember, yeah. some of the herbs that we're going to talk about, and um, devil's claw is a classic, can act in a very similar way to non-steroidals. If you're using both together, be really aware of side effects, okay? And do consult with your vet. Hopefully, your holistic vet will give you some uh, insights into that. Um Many people will uh, see salicylic acid in some of these supplements (laughs) and effectively they're giving aspirin alongside the uh, supplement and then won't realize they're also giving uh, a non-steroidal which actually they are contraindicated to use the two together. Um, So just be aware some of the herbs will act in very similar ways. Really interesting there are such a range of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And I know that we posted up very quickly that there was a, um, a study there where you can see degradation of joints with non And certainly some of the early non would wipe out not just the nasty inflammatory um, prostaglandins, but they would actually also wipe out the protective prostaglandins. So studies like that, absolutely right, will cause that. And that's partly why you also get degradation in intestinal lining is there is a level of prostaglandins that are required as protection uh, there is how it was thought. Now, it's really interesting you say that certain bacteria can aggravate that condition. And I wonder whether that's, you know, another interaction at an, at an, um, yet another level that we need to look at, um, because there'll be yeah. a level of protection um, that should be afforded. So there are some later generations, one like Simulgex and things like that, which are now even for dogs with diarrhea, supposed to be in there as a possible medication. I would honestly say, look, in the very short term, if you've got a lame dog giving a very short course of a good, well-known analgesic to assess is this directly just down to pain or is there a physical reason why this dog is lame is considered uh, an appropriate action rather than necessarily immediately knocking them out and doing 15 tests under anaesthesia and, uh, you know, looking at x-rays and imaging and everything else, you know, just doing a simple pain relief test is worth it. But there are some great studies, you know, um, VetPro and uh, NutraVet released a multimodal with um, Boswellia, which is frankincense um, in there alongside some other herbal uh, constituents to protect the liver. You know, those are options Uh, that have been shown to be as good as some of the non-steroidal drugs out there. So there are options to have a look at um, and realize every animal is an individual. And therefore, just as with some people, um, you might find that they're better with one anti-inflammatory than another. You know, the same with these herbal medicines. Don't go, oh, it didn't work with Boswellia, therefore I'm not going to bother with anything else herbal. Um, Yeah. You know you might want to move to golden paste, you might want to use to pure turmeric, you might want to use green lip. But hands down, the biggest jump I think you'll see is using a good source of omega 3 um, within the diet, and that is uh probably the biggest jump uh, to benefit uh sore joints. Okay,
2: there's a, a non steroidal anti inflammatory there, Bren. Uh, the, the old Versions of them were like, we grew up with Medicam, that's what my old girl was on, and Rimadil. I managed to keep her off it until she was like 13, and then she needed it again. But I mean, the vet had her on her at 7 when she was really hobbled with it, and it's bloody hell. But the new one here, Galloprant here, I'm just reading, it doesn't block prostaglandin production. You want prostaglandins, like, blocking them wasn't a good idea because it has this effect of ulceration, and they they were important for that process, which I poorly understand. But Galloprant doesn't block prostaglandin production good news but it blocks the receptors for that and that's why uh, that is becoming a very uh, popular drug not because it's under patent of course sounds brilliant
1: Mm. sounds brilliant but on the ground just as likely just as possible to cause diarrhea and gastric in dogs bloody hell so it sounds brilliant but experience in the clinic okay i would definitely say um I've seen as many dogs with gastric upsets on Galopran as I have any other non-steroidal that's out yeah. there.
2: In, in relation to the fish oil thing, just to throw a cat among the pigeons here, this, this, the green lip muscle, you know, it's great and all that, but you don't get a lot of omega-3 bang for your buck. It's complicated. I don't have time to get into it. It's phospholipids versus
1: triglycerides. I'm only after learning this myself. Mm. Uh, and I'll, just a last thing before we go over to, yeah, just before we jump over, I would always say, I think if it's got a long chemical name, um, just be cautious, think about it. There are lots of alternatives first, Um, you know, giving one element out of a whole mix of things that could be found in nature, I think has consequences. I I much prefer uh, some of the benefits you get with some of the plants and herbs that we're talking about is not just a pure extract, but it can be the whole herb. So. Do have a look at the different options. They may have some gastric protection, liver protection, et cetera, if you're giving the whole herb rather than just an individual item.
0: Okay, and I've got a quiz. I've got a quiz for you, uh, and I will give you the answer on the other side. How good for you is deoxyribose nucleic acid? Answer on a postcard or <laughs> over over in <laughs> the Patreon, please. How good is that for you? Could you survive without it? Here we go.
1: Brilliant. Very good. Talk to Cheers. you soon, guys. Take care. Speak to you next week. Love it. Cool. Love it. See
2: love you over on bit on the side. The other side. blue. <laughs> 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 <laughs>